Our thoughts are extremely powerful. Whenever we feel or think that we're failing, most of the time we believe it. Whenever we feel or think we can't do something, most of the time we believe it. So these are the internal struggles that we go through daily that I have started to understand that doesn't just affect me. It affects a lot of us, maybe most of us, maybe all of us. So here's the question. If we finally realize that all of us are crazy, does that mean that none of us are? Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Relatively Normal. I am your host, Mark Paisant. Episode number 20. All right, little milestone for me. Here's to the next 20. Thank you to everybody who has joined me on this and listened to the episodes. I appreciate it. And uh, today I want to start by talking about a um, conversation I just had with one of my buddies um, we were uh, messaging over Facebook and kind of talking about this podcast and, and mental health. And he is an attorney and he had talked about how um, in the attorney field, they are really starting to look at mental health, which I think is great, which I think is awesome. Um, and because we all know my wife's an attorney, we all know. Um, the struggles that uh, attorneys go through. They have so many deadlines, have to be back and forth to court if they litigate, read and write briefs, all that good stuff. So we, we know um, lawyers or, or, or the lawyer field is a high stress field. So I think it's great that people are really starting to look at mental health. And I think we should do it all across the board, especially um, public servants, um, uh, police officers, the military, teachers, uh, things like that where people have um, a, a stressful job. And not to put one job over the other. I think it should go across the board. I think everybody should look into the mental health. But um, I wanted to talk because he, uh, he brought up a good point. And, uh, and I have this same issue. And it's the voice inside our heads our thoughts and without really knowing it our thoughts are extremely powerful our thoughts are unbelievably powerful I mean think about the instances where you remember something happened and you're a thousand percent sure it happened the way you think it happened and then you go back and you see documentation, or you see video, or you see evidence, and it turns out that you may have been incorrect or you were incorrect. Our mind works like this. And I don't know why. All I know is that my mind works like this. So 
if there is ever a time in my life where something small happens, whether it involves my wife or my kids, my house, finances, friends, anything like that, where I believe I have messed up, I believe I made a mistake, my brain immediately tells me I'm a failure, that I've failed at something. And this happens quite often, actually, where if I miss a deadline, if I forget to pay a bill, if I accidentally forget a friend's birthday, if I do something that is a small mistake, I immediately feel like not just like I failed, but that I am a failure. And he brought up the same thing. And he brought up the voice in his head that he used to believe was right all the time. Now he's starting to learn that that voice isn't always right. And he called it a struggle. And I believe that is a a struggle. That's a struggle that a lot of people go through. And once we start to understand that the voice in our head, that our thoughts could possibly be wrong, then that may start a paradigm shift for us. It may start a new journey for us to understand that we have more control than we thought. And that's what I'm starting to understand. That's where I'm starting to get a point of understanding where, hey, that mistake was just one mistake. It's not the end of the world. Hey, you forgot that one thing. That doesn't mean you still can't make up for it. And I'll be honest, one of the ways I've been able to do this is by verbalizing my thoughts to other people, specifically my wife. And I will tell her when I'm feeling these ways, when I'm feeling like a failure, when I'm feeling down, when, I'm fe- when I feel, when I hear my thoughts telling me something so detrimental. And so what I've learned to do, and this has taken time, what I have learned to do is those thoughts, even though they're inside us, even though they're inside our heads, doesn't mean they have to stay there. If there is a way that we can notice when these thoughts enter our head in a way that we start to filter them out, now, this is, this is all very difficult. I'm not saying this is something that people just know how to do. There is a learning curve. There is time put in. There's training. But you have to put in the time to start to notice the thoughts. 
and just noticing them isn't really good enough. At least it wasn't for me. Because here's the thing. I know, this is me personally, I know that my thoughts will subside after a while. The really bad ones might take a while. The really low points might take a while, but they'll go away. But I also learned this about myself is that if I didn't start to work on my coping mechanisms for these thoughts, then the amount of time it took for them to go away would become longer and longer, and the thoughts would be stronger and stronger, and it would make my depression last so much longer. So. Like I said, what I've done is I've started to say them out loud, put them in front of me, put them on paper, because in the past, I've kept all those things in. And the reason I've kept those things in, I used to keep those things in, varied, but the main reason is because I felt like I was bothering other people if I told them about my thoughts and brought them in to my coping structure, if I brought them in for help or assistance. I felt that everybody had these thoughts. Everybody's got to get through this. I got to deal with this on my own. I don't want to waste anybody else's time. So I don't know if, if anybody else has gone through that, but I know that I have. And I could really do a whole show on why I didn't bring other people in you know, to my negative thoughts. And we could talk about the stigma of mental health, the stigma of depression, the stigma of anxiety. We could talk about all that and how I didn't want to seem weak in front of other people, but we're not going to get into that. That's, that's a whole nother show. That's something totally different that we can talk about later. But what I really want to just focus on and I'm not going to call it a lie. I'm not going to call our thoughts a lie. We're, I don't believe our thoughts are lying to us. Some may see it like that. But I just think our thoughts aren't giving us the entire truth. Our thoughts are there for a reason. They're, they're there to require more out of us, get us to push ourselves, get us to try to do the right things. I understand that. But if we look at a cup and it's three quarters full, my thought would only let me focus on the quarter that it wasn't. And I know there's the half full, half empty, you know, thing that goes on where people, how people see things, perceptions. But if my cup was 90% full, my thoughts a lot of the time only allowed me to see the 10%. Now, I might be trying to get to 100%, so my thoughts might be pushing me in a direction to get to that 100%, but my thoughts at the same time might have me forget about all the hard work I've put in. And we have to be conscious of the work we're putting in. If we lay all our cards on the table, and if I lay all my cards on the table, and I look at my life, and I think of 
where I've put my family, where my wife and I put my family. We both have good jobs. We own a house. We own two cars. We're putting two girls through school right now. The girls don't go to sleep hungry. They have more toys than they need. They have friends to play with. They live in a safe neighborhood. We're close to their their grandparents. We're close to their aunts and uncles and nephews. If I put all my cards on the table and say it out loud, including college educated, my wife has a, a law degree, you know, it starts to really stack up to see how much hard work I have put in in my life. Now, there have been times in my life where I've underachieved or I've, I've haven't met the goals I've wanted to, to meet, but overall, I've worked hard and I continue to work hard to provide for my family and to be a decent human being. But sometimes those thoughts will pop up that you're not doing enough, that you failed at something, that that one time you forgot to do that one thing, it ruined the day, it ruined the week. You start to doubt yourself. I start to doubt myself. What, what am I doing here? What, why am I so bad at this? Those thoughts creep up. And I know other people have those thoughts too. So maybe I did fail at something, at a specific thing. Maybe I forgot to do something. Maybe I really just dropped the ball on something. So my thoughts are there to tell me, hey, get your stuff together. And don't let this happen again. Yes, I understand. That's great that that happens. I understand that that's wonderful that that happens. But should that thought outweigh 20 or 30 positive things? Should that thought of an action that lasted minutes outweigh actions that have lasted years? So this is what I talk about when I mean that you don't get the entire truth or I don't get my entire truth from these negative thoughts, but they control so much of my life. I don't know why that is for me, but I know the steps I've taken to improve this. So. What you need to do is, is first recognize these thoughts. Recognize when they pop into your head. And then recognize what's truth and what's you know, false, what's incorrect. And what things are manageable and what things are not. And you know, what thoughts truly have an impact on you. Now, I've had thoughts in my head when my favorite (laughs) uh, sports team has lost, and I thought that because of my superstition, because I wasn't wearing the right shirt or wasn't sitting in the right position on the couch, that I was the reason for that loss. And then those go away pretty quickly because that's pretty, 
outlandish to think that. But I know there's pe- I know there's people out there that think that. But those for me go away very quickly. But when it comes to family, when it comes to finances, when it comes to work, those stick with me if I don't work on them. If I've been working great Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, everything is going great. Friday morning is wonderful. Then Friday around 3 o'clock, something happens where I drop the ball on something. Guess what I'm thinking about all weekend? Not that great presentation that I had on Monday. Not that wonderful project that I turned in on Tuesday. Not that conference call that I led on Wednesday. Not that promotion that I got on Thursday. I'm thinking about that typo on that letter I sent on Friday. When I say it, it sounds unbelievable. Maybe when you say it out loud, it sounds unbelievable. But these are the things that I'm talking about. How can I work so hard for four and a half days of the week, have one minor slip up on Friday, and it ruined the entire week? Well, if you're anything like me, you know the answer to it. That's really how you were built. So I want to take this time now to talk about a really good website that I found, um, travisrobertson.com. And they're called the Don't Settle Group. It's a growth coaching group, but I was just looking through and trying to find some information on our inner thoughts, how they control us. And there's always that paradox. Do we control our thoughts or do our thoughts control us? And, you know, my personal opinion, there's always that fight or flight time when our our thoughts will control us, our, our inner emotions will start to kick in and we'll run from a situation or we'll fight through it. But I really think this is a, a really good article, really good um, thing that people should read if they have issues with their thoughts controlling them or having issues with negative thoughts. And it's basically how to control your thoughts in five simple steps. And I'm not going to give you all of them because I think you should go to this website and read it and I'll put it in the show notes. But I do want to focus on the last two, because we've talked about it already. The last two, step four is find the lie. And step five is recognize the truth. And I'll be honest, I hadn't even 
read this article, looked at this article before I started thinking about this episode and recording this episode, but I think it's it speaks volumes about the tricks that our, our thoughts can play on us. It speaks volumes about the inconsistencies, about the half-truths, about the way our brain can have us focus on things that are so non-productive that we totally stop seeing the goal in mind. And I think we should really, really, really focus on our thoughts. What do I mean by that? I don't mean kick them to the side. I mean when these thoughts pop into your head, stop for a second. Jot down the time, the place, how you are feeling. If the sun was out, if it was raining, everything about that situation you're in, jot it down and jot down the specific thought. Why it came, where it came from, what you were doing, the situation you were in. Were you at work? Were you, you know, doing one of your hobbies? Were you reading a book? Were you watching TV? Were you sitting in bed? You know, jot all that down. This sounds like a lot. I know it sounds like a lot, but oh my goodness, it is worth it. It was worth it to me. I used to keep a journal. I need to do this more often. I used to keep a journal right next to my bed because I can't tell you how many nights I'd be laying in bed trying to go to sleep and these thoughts would pop up. Mark, what are you doing with your life? Mark, why did you do that one thing today? Mark, you're not prepared for tomorrow. Jot them down and then recognize which ones aren't the truth. If I had a presentation to give the next day and I spent weeks and months preparing for it, am I not really prepared? I am prepared. So my thought was not telling me the truth. Mark, you're kids start school tomorrow. You haven't prepared them for this. They're going to do terribly in school. Wait a second. Is any of that true? I've been there for them since day one. I fed them. I've clothed them. I've introduced, you know, human interaction, social interaction to them. I've given them the proper tools to move forward. No, that's not the truth. So then, when we found that lie, and I'm using that word because it's in the article, but when we found that lie or that non-truth, then we have to reassure ourselves of the things we've done. In this article, it says the only way to combat a lie is with truth, and right now is the time to seek out what the truth about you is. So, he uses prayer in God and the Bible, and that's fine. Again, I've said it before, I'm not the most spiritual 
or the most religious person, but there's people out there that look towards divine intervention for compassion, for soothing, to get them through tough times. If you do that, great, continue to do it. I know for a lot of people, prayer has this really powerful, soothing mechanism to it. But there also has to be a component about holding yourself accountable and working through these thoughts. And what I mean by that, and and I really want to really say this, is that prayer can be a conduit. It really can. But at some point, you're going to have to take action, especially with mental health. I personally think it's impossible to pray away anxiety or pray away depression or pray away bipolar. I'm sure people out there believe that you can do those things. But I believe that there has to be action on my part. I've used prayer before. I've tried it. And it's worked sometimes. It's made me feel better. But I've still had to go through therapy. I've still had to use medication. And I still had I had to use some meditation and some mindfulness techniques to get me to where I wanted to be. So the last thing I want to say about this, and I saw this, one of my friends posted this on social media. And I don't know the whole ins and outs of it, but I thought it was it was very good. And I thought it was is something I needed to to read and to to see myself. Is that there was a story about a young woman who was battling depression. She was battling negative thoughts. And just like me, she kept it all inside, put a smile on her face, went to work, came home, went through depression. Whenever she left the house, smile on her face, no one knew what was going on. The moral of the story is this. And this was very, very true for me, is that help and assistance is a two-way street. Remember when I told you I, I didn't want to bother anybody else with my negative thoughts? I had to get past that. People want to help you. But in all honesty, in all fairness, a lot of people don't know. I believe it's unfair to have people figure out what you're going through. It's unfair to bottle everything all in until you're about to explode and not have other people at least know what you're going through. The best thing about opening up to other people is being able to have those thoughts being seen by a different perspective. Have some reassurance. Now, there are times when negative thoughts are absolutely true. If you're not going to class, if you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing, if you're not paying your bills, if you're not being a good human being and your negative thoughts tell you that, then those are things you need to respond to. They might be telling you the truth about a change you need to make. For the longest time, my thoughts told me 
Mark, you're eating too much. Mark, you're drinking too much. That's too much sugar in your life. Too much sodium. Why'd you drink last night and tonight? For some reason, I didn't want to listen to those thoughts. So that's why I kind of said, go back and write down where you were, what you were doing, how you were feeling. What was the temperature around you? Specify or get a specific time and place for those thoughts. Because there is a little bit of truth in a lot of those thoughts. And in a few of those thoughts, there might be a lot of truth. But the toughest part is figuring out the ones you have to listen to and the ones you have to filter out. So go to this website, travisrobertson.com. You know, open up. If you're having some tough thoughts in the professional workplace, talk to a supervisor, talk to a manager, talk to a peer that you're very comfortable with. And I have to say, I've been lucky. I have a bunch of peers and a bunch of coworkers that I'm extremely comfortable with, and we talk about it. We bring it up. Don't be afraid. I know it's easier said than done, but I got to a point, I cannot tell you when, but I got to a point where I stopped being afraid and I said that if I don't open up, things are not looking good for me. So, as hard as it may seem, thoughts don't have to control you. You can find a way to Not really control them, but filter out the ones that aren't productive. The ones that are negative. And if if your thoughts are 100% positive, that's not a great thing either. We have to make sure we're looking at both sides of it. If If we think everything we do is positive, then that's not helpful. And that's not productive either. So I want to thank you again for listening to this 20th episode of Relatively Normal. Um, I'm your host, Mark Paisant. I'm having a really good time doing this. I'm glad you're listening. Remember, if you want to write in, you can always um, you know, DM me at the real Paisant on Twitter. You can uh, post something on postcardstomyshrink.com. But thanks again for everything. Take care of yourselves, and I'll talk to you later. Relatively Normal is written, produced, and edited by me, Mark Paisant. Just so you guys know, all these episodes are created on GarageBand on my Mac and then uploaded to anchor.fm. Music is either created by me or by a very talented L.A.-based rapper named Skip Whitman. You can look him up on Twitter at Skip Whitman, S-K-I-P-P-W-H-I-T-M-A-N. And always, if you or someone you know is in crisis, please contact the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255.